0: Welcome to The Teacher's Podcast, in association with Classroom Secrets, the podcast that's here to help teachers. Whether it's discussing the latest issues in education or sharing top tips for use in the classroom, if you work in education or want to know more about the sector, then this is the podcast for you. Now, please welcome your host,
1: former teacher, life-work balance advocate and successful business owner, Claire Riley. Hi everyone, thanks for listening. I can't tell you how much I loved this episode. I wish Johanna had taught me all about therapeutic teaching before I left the classroom. But before we get into that, two quick things. So first, our online platform, Classroom Secrets Kids. It's only £1 per child for the year at the moment. And it has thousands of activities that are aligned to the curriculum. They can be accessed digitally and they're automatically marked for you. (laughs) Who doesn't want that? And we're uh, adding more every single week. So if you haven't done so yet, go to kids.classroomsecrets.co.uk To grab your free 14 day trial for the whole class. Number two, we're on Clubhouse a lot. So we're hosting regular education chats on Clubhouse, the new audio social media platform. So to find out a schedule of the rooms that we're hosting, then just go to classroomsecrets.co.uk forward slash club. We'd love for you to get involved. You'll be able to quiz the panel about all things education and add your own value too. So each week the rooms are growing and the conversations are really inspiring. So If you haven't heard of Clubhouse it's still pretty new and it's in the beta phase at the moment with only 10 million users but there's more and more joining every day so you're listening to a podcast now you will absolutely love it. It's invite only so keep your ear to the ground and if you can get an invite from a friend then that'd be fantastic and if you're one of the lucky ones who was already there then follow me at Claire Riley and I'll follow you back. So in this episode I interviewed Shahana Knight all about therapeutic teaching. So in this episode, I interviewed Shahana Knight all about therapeutic teaching. Shahana is the founder of the mental health and wellbeing service, TCP Therapy. She's the creator of the therapeutic school approach and therapeutic teaching and regularly writes for Head Teachers Update magazine. Shahana has also been featured on Newsround and the BBC Mental Health Live Lessons. And she's achieved all of that and more with two young children in tow, something that I can very much appreciate. Let's get to the interview. Shahana, thank you so much for joining me on the Teachers Podcast today.
0: Hi, it's lovely to be here.
1: So I've been watching you on LinkedIn, you're doing really amazing things and I wanted to get you on the podcast because I feel from my experience what you're doing is something that I is different and I've not seen before so this is really exciting. So you're the creator of therapeutic teaching so what on earth is it you know can you explain that to a teacher who's never come across it before and me? (laughs)
0: Yeah of course so therapeutic teaching is um, an approach and it puts mental health and well-being at the core of your practice so if you were to say to me okay well I'm a teacher you would be saying I'm a teacher who really values mental health and well-being and the approach is based on kind of how you do things and also who you are it comes like in two kind of ways you've kind of got to embed this approach into who you are and the way that you are with the children every single day and sort of change your mindset and the way that you work as well and the idea is that there are so many children coming into school now with additional things going on in their lives. So they're struggling with their mental health and well-being because of abuse or neglect or they're in care or maybe their family separated or even simple things like they're on social media and technology quite a lot. So they're watching a lot of telly, they're consuming a lot of content. And I suppose even now recently, they've exposed to the coronavirus and all of the stuff that's going on with this. And what happens is those children then are affected by those things. And when they come into school, they are not ready to learn. There's other things going on. And what we do as an educational sector is we expect them to come in, sit down, listen, you know, follow all the mm-hmm. norms, follow all the rules, and. We're seeing a rise in difficult behaviour or a rise in anxiety in children or hyperactivity in children or really emotional children. And we're not skilled enough yet to really be able to approach that and guide them through that. And we're still in a society, we're still in a, a kind of pattern where we often don't give the children the skills and the awareness about their own mental health and wellbeing and insight into their feelings and why some of their experiences might be affecting their behaviour and their thoughts. And that's teaching as well, you know, so it's about kind of looking at the whole child and thinking, okay, how can we really teach? And the truth is that when children have been through any type of trauma, low level or high level, or they're struggling with anything emotionally, they cannot actually physically learn it shuts down the learning part of the brain and it fires up the um, survival part of the brain. And when we're in survival mode, we cannot learn. Our thinking brain's not on, our memory isn't on. So that's why the most vulnerable children in your class cannot remember maths from the day before, even though you mm. did it five times, because they weren't interested in the maths because they were thinking about whether dad would be drunk when he, they got home that night, or they've got so much stress hormone in their body that you know their memory isn't on. It's physically not on, so they can't recall they can't be empathetic, they can't problem solve. Um, And all of those things we see in their behavior, that's the child who struggles with friendships, it's the child who seems to not be paying attention or the child who gets really angry or runs away. And this is about saying, okay, we need to be aware of this very small piece of science and we need to start to embed that into our practice. So if they cannot learn, what do we do our job as a teacher is to help children learn that is the whole point of the education system but we're actually missing the point because when children come into the classroom we're so focused on outcomes and maths and handwriting and all of the things that come sort of academically and there's a lot of schools that do well-being really well but sometimes I wonder do do we know why we're doing well-being You know, Mm -hmm. what, what is our goal? Why would, is it just because it's a new agenda? It's a new wave. Actually, we can be teaching children so much more about who they are and so much more about how to be emotionally intelligent and understand their feelings and behaviors so that they can self-regulate they understand their triggers so that child who runs out of the room when they're really angry isn't just being told off and sent out and told right okay you need to go to her teacher's office or you've got a red card actually they're told you know what you were really anxious about that piece of work and it made you go into survival brain it made you feel really worried shut down your learning brain and you needed to get away and that's okay we all have that and that is the kind of thing that we're trying to embed with therapeutic teaching it's about really always raising the children's awareness of themselves of their feelings and embedding that so that they can be successful in the future and be emotionally intelligent. And actually, emotional intelligence is a better indicator of success than just IQ, you know, or academic abilities. Mm -hmm. So that's what we're trying to achieve here. And it really is an an approach that we're trying to sort of spread through the world and really embed because it makes all the difference.
1: Sounds absolutely amazing. It makes so much sense. I feel like it, it joins together uh, so many things that we talk about on the podcast. Um, I love that getting to know who who they are, um, because I feel like that's like a fundamental of personal development and, and believing that you can be and do more. Um, so one thing you, you mentioned um, is low-level trauma. Have you got any examples of low-level trauma? What would be a good example of that? Because you know, I guess, you know, we can think about the children in our class that really does struggle and we know that something is going on at home, but this applies to every child.
0: Yeah, you're so right. I think sometimes when I'm when I'm speaking and teaching, because I am a, tra- a child of trauma expert, we can kind of like get ourselves in a bit of a pigeonhole where we think, well, it's just the kids with domestic violence then, or it's just those kids that are really angry. But you're so right. There's there's loads and loads of things that are happening low level. And actually all children need to learn about their feelings and behavior. That is a, a lesson we should be teaching everyone. But I suppose if we're thinking about low level trauma, it would be things like maybe um, a really common one is children whose parents divorced or separated, maybe when they were in year two and they're now in year five. And actually that's still having an impact on them every day. You know, they're still split between who they go to, which house they go to, and um, they still have memories. So I remember doing a happiness project session where I go into schools and sit with the children and we do like a a, sort of a therapeutic circle time. And this particular one was around our feelings. And one of the little boys was saying, "Um, I still remember the day that I had to choose between my mum and dad. And he started crying, got really emotional. And this was a volatile boy who, you know, was often sent out, often in trouble, actually really struggled to engage. And they weren't even going to put him in the session because they thought he would ruin the session. Um, and Mm -hmm. I've had a few schools like that that select the children, and I just, I was like, no, all children are invited, and he started crying, and he sort of said, I remember the day, he said, I I was really young, I had to choose between mum and dad, and he was saying, I wanted to be with um, my dad, but I didn't want my mum to feel bad, I didn't want my mum to feel guilty, and he was just regurgitating all of these experiences that I wondered, have you even ever had the opportunity to really explain, and explore, and feel these Mm. feelings and because he said it three other children said we had that experience we had that experience and it just became this opportunity for them to explore something that other people would have seen as less significant because it was so many years later yeah so things like that I would say a low level and experiences you know one that you wouldn't even think is trauma so what about children who are watching scary movies or playing scary games with adult content and they're allowed to do that. But actually, emotionally, they're far too young. That's Mm -hmm. really traumatic. You know, we have a team of play therapists on our team. And I used to do play therapy myself. And I would often see children come in the playroom and play out themes from games they've been watching, because they think they need to be the big tough one. And nothing scares me. And yeah, I'm big. And and I'm like my big brothers. And actually, they were completely terrified because Mm -hmm. of that the visual aspect and their brain wasn't able to distinguish between what was reality and what wasn't and that was keeping them up at night giving them nightmares you know so trauma comes in all shapes and sizes and I think we cannot forget the impact of the children's experiences as they're growing and how much they need to be guided through those
1: so fascinating um This is a fantastic interview. Thank you. Um, So, okay then. So I feel like you've touched on some of it already, but you know, why is therapeutic teaching so important? Why is it so important for you to make sure that this sort of impacts the world? You know what? I just
0: think we're getting it wrong in education, I really do, and I think we are so lucky we're in such a wonderful position, we have children come into the classroom every single day for most of the year, those children find solace in that classroom because a lot of them are struggling at home and we're not giving them the experiences that we could be. You know, we are so diverted because of the outcomes and because of what said, asks us to do and all of that sort of stuff that we're missing real opportunities to teach, you know, like. Okay, so you've been out on the playground and you're playing football with a group of friends and one of the they're not letting you in the game properly or you've not scored a goal or whatever and you kick off and you get really angry and you push pushing you shove and then you get brought inside and you get told, okay, what happened, what happened, and you get told off. We're missing a whole opportunity around how do we solve problems? How do we solve conflict? What were you feeling? What was the trigger that made you kick that other person? Because it definitely isn't because you're a naughty child. It's not because you can't cope outside. It's because something inside you, a feeling, has happened as a result. And usually it's a result of a feeling. A behavior has happened as a result of a feeling. And we're missing that. Children are feeling anxious maybe that child felt like they weren't good enough and that was the reason had nothing to do with the football game but then we're so focused on the behavior all the time that we miss what the actual teaching opportunity is so I don't care that you've ripped down the display fine you've ripped down the display you are so angry and agitated well if we focus all of our attention on the fact that they've ripped down the display and say right you need to put that display back up how dare you do that in our classroom or whatever we say and send them out or give them a consequence or what we're teaching them is we don't care about your feelings we don't care why you did it we're not interested we don't want to hear about any of that we're just annoyed by your behavior and that's our focus and we're going to reject you for that and actually what we're not teaching is right something must have really hurt you something must have really come up for you you, in order for you to be that angry that you've wanted to pull down a display let's figure that out for you so that you can learn about what is going on for you so in the future when you're 18 years old and that feeling comes back up again you don't want to go and destroy a room or kick off and get angry you can manage that and you can emotionally regulate yourself so instead we should be saying okay you've just pulled down the display you know you were so so angry you felt whatever the feelings are and that's therapeutic teaching is to pick to notice those feelings and that's so important what is it that you can see is it that that child felt um, unheard? Is it that child felt scared and overwhelmed? Was it too noisy in the room? Did they feel like they weren't being um, taken care of enough? Was there something? What was that thing? And the teacher's job is to identify that and let the child know, let them know, give them that insight and then say, it made you so angry that you wanted to pull down the display. And yeah, there needs to be a consequence, but it's not one of rejection. It shouldn't be one where we say, okay, well, that's Unacceptable that you felt that way. That you're a young child struggling with your emotions and don't know how to regulate yet. Yeah, that's unacceptable. Out the room. So we really need to start to change these things. And education is the perfect, perfect place to do that. If we're doing that every single day as a teacher, you can literally change the lives of these kids. And if they have that experience from nursery all the way up to year six, we could literally change the world. I know it sounds ridiculous and airy fairy, but. Imagine if there was a plague of therapeutic teachers out there and every single child gets that input and every single child gets that awareness. By the time they leave, they're going to be able to navigate some tricky situations, manage Mm. friendships, manage their life, give to the world, be better humans. And that, for me, is more important than learning how to do your maths and multiplication.
1: Yeah, there's plenty of adults that can't regulate their emotions. In fact, even adults who can regulate their emotions still struggle. Yeah. Because, you know, emotions are emotions and we've got so many sort of mental triggers with that as well. Um, so okay then. So just to take you back, a really quick example. Um, so we've talked about um a child, you know, kind of really losing it and pulling down the display. What about a child who maybe doesn't um display things so yeah openly? You know, what, what what are the tells that a teacher could look for?
0: Okay. So in any behavior that is around emotions, there's always a feeling attached. So it can be as small as a child in your class who's sitting on a table with their friends and you've set them off on an activity. And that child is, let's say it's maths. I always use maths because I really find maths tricky. So let's say the, the child's that, they're looking at their maths, maths work and their heart's beating really quickly they're getting sweaty they're thinking I can't do this I can't do this they're looking around everyone else seems to be doing it really well and that gives them a feeling of not being good enough not being clever enough um low self-worth all of that sort of stuff and they distract themselves so they start messing with pencils they get up and walk around the room or they tap the friend on the shoulder or they do something low level but it's every single time and it's constant instead of telling that child off for constantly disrupting and saying, come on, you need to do your work. Let's get back and do your work. Let's get we need to be able to just just it takes two seconds more. In fact it takes the same amount of time as you would have to do telling them off or trying to re-engage. But it's just sort of re-engaging and saying, okay you're feeling a little bit anxious about this, you're finding it a little bit trickier than you expected, and maybe it's making you feel like you know, you're not you're not quite good enough. That's not the case. Let's do this, this, and this. So it's low-level stuff, as simple as that, or struggling with friendships and falling out, or um noticing a child going out the room quite a lot for a wee. That's one. So children, or a drink of water, you know, when children are like, Can I just go to the water fountain? Can I just go to the water fountain? Why does that child need to leave the room continuously? It's not because they're being disruptive. It's because something in them is giving them a feeling that if I can just leave for a minute, then that anxiety gets a chance to just go before I then have to go back into that situation. So we've got to start noticing these things with our kids so that we can teach them about it. And like you say, it doesn't have to just be a child who has a a huge kind of meltdown or gets really angry. It can really be those really low level things that are happening every single
1: day yeah absolutely I feel like there be so many teachers now looking around the classroom and thinking right okay where do I start <laughs> um so um okay obviously you're very passionate about therapeutic teaching you know what shaped that
0: well you know what I only realized this when I started doing podcasts with people <laughs> but um so when I was growing up, I lived with um, a dad and a mom, so my dad and a brother. So my dad was the head teacher of our local primary school. So we were very, and my mom was a teacher. So we were always involved in education, the education system. Um, However, my dad got um, manic depression, and he also struggled with alcoholism. So but because he was really well known in the community and really influential, he was a fantastic head teacher and he was a wonderful man when he was okay. And that was his picture in the world. You know, people would stop him on the street and thank him for working with their children. So we didn't tell anyone about what was going on behind the closed doors. And I've, I think he stopped working as a head teacher quite early on into his depression and his alcoholism. But For us as children, that was really difficult. You know, we lived with a really complex trauma. We lived with days where things were great and then days where they were horrendous, but you could never talk about those days. It was scary. You didn't know what was coming. You know, it was really not a nice environment. And actually looking back, we should really have been removed. But because we weren't aware that we were in trauma and a lot of children don't, we just, that was our reality. And then as we got older, when we were more aware, we didn't tell anyone because we just kept it, that was our culture in our family. We just kept it behind closed doors. It was really kind of a learning experience for me and it shaped who I am. And then as time has evolved, I sort of, like my parents, wanted to work with children, was really, really connected to every child I came across. Um, I really do genuinely believe children are, amazing and I was always drawn to the naughty children you know people would say that they were naughty and when I was at school I didn't get any help for my with my emotions and and any help with my kind of um my trauma because nobody knew about it but also just as much as we are now nobody really understood it so it wasn't something that Mm -hmm. people identified you know and I think that's that was a real downfall of school then and it still probably is I don't think things have changed very much Um, but as I sort of grew up and developed my career and things I was drawn to the naughty children and I would notice and, and acknowledge that this child isn't bad there's something going on here for this child there's something more and I really kind of had that first-hand experience so that's kind of evolved my career and now I suppose I kind of want children to see that you know their trauma doesn't have to define who they are and we often carry around our trauma it doesn't ever go away you have triggers all of the time you know memories come up you have a behavior and you think okay right that's nothing about this situation I know that that's because of my experiences when I was younger it shaped my brain it shaped the blueprint for my life but I'm in a position where I'm aware of those things and what I want to do is get children in a position where they are as well so that they don't have to experience years and years and years of research and study like I have instead they're taught that in school as a, as a basic so I think my own life experiences have really shaped it and I think so it's about like changing things for children in the future so that they don't have to experience what I did and hopefully that's gonna have a bigger impact in the world I think my experiences probably were there so that I can become this person in the future and I think if we use our experiences like that and we teach the children to use their experiences like that then actually we're going to start to create and change mindsets aren't we around what trauma actually is and hopefully like I say it doesn't have to define who they are. Mm, absolutely I know we
1: talked before we've both got young children and and something that I really want to make sure it happens and I, I feel at four it's it's difficult because um my eldest is four um but i want her to understand herself yeah. um because i got to i think i must have been 31 um and i just had a baby it's hattie um and it's only because i really had this passion to work on uh, my business which i've had for you know quite a few years and then i had this like splitting kind of feeling and that's when I figured out maybe I needed to find out about who I was (laughs) And I was kind of still on that journey so I think that's important and I think you know what you talked about um you know having these emotions and and these memories and this blueprint for your life that if we can empower children um to grow up to be you know young adults and older adults where they understand that they can't change what happened but they can change their responses and their reactions totally. and they, they they can actually bring those back to the forefront and deal with them properly and yeah. um, then I think that's really really important so thank you so much okay so if you had to give teachers three actions to try out in the classroom, what what would they be?
0: Okay. So the first one that I would say, first and foremost, if you take nothing else away, I always teach this one, is to focus on feelings first and change your language. So next time I'm in the classroom, just try it out on every single child you speak to because it doesn't have to just be when they're struggling. It's a constant kind of, um, a skill. It's a skill that you develop. So what I would say is pick out the feelings and tell the children what they're feeling or the situation. So constantly reflect and use therapeutic language. So the way that you would do that is, um, If you've got a child who comes in, they look tired, you know that, you know, they don't often get breakfast and things can be quite rushed in the morning in that particular household. And they're sort of putting their head down on the table and you already know they might struggle to engage early in the morning. Then you would say something really simply just for two seconds, like, Jack, you've got your head down on the table and you look really, really tired. Might have been a tough morning this morning. Yeah, just one simple statement or a child comes to you, shows you their work and says straight away, um, but I've not checked my spellings and I'm not sure about this. And you'd instead of going, OK, well, this is this. this you just take a second and you go, you're a little bit unsure about your spellings and you're worried that I'm going to tell you off about that. So you're just constantly feeding back about what is going on for them in their processes. And then obviously with behavior, use it as much as you can. So before you do anything, before you go into what I call your teacher response, where you tell them what they've done wrong and you give them a consequence and you focus on that behaviour, just take two seconds to reflect back how they feel. You were really anxious. You're feeling really angry. You're feeling overwhelmed. This is really hard for you. Something like that. And that will make all the difference. And what you'll find is children will look at you and go, oh, that's not what I expected. Yeah, that is how I feel. Maybe you actually care and they're more likely to take their consequence and they're more likely to listen after just that literally one sentence. So I would start to embed that into the way that you work every single day. Do it with adults as well. It's about
1: being understood, isn't it?
0: Yeah, validate it just for a second, because you know, you've done something wrong. So if you get that validation, at least you know, that person's going to guide you through it rather than tell you off for it. And similarly, you know, we all have feelings. The reason why we behave in a certain way is because of that. Let's inform the children and teach the children. So they've got that awareness. The second thing I would say is look at your environments. So often we have children coming into school who are overwhelmed they're overwhelmed with technology they're overwhelmed with um experiences that have gone on outside of school often they're tired because they've been gaming all night watching tv all night there's loads of different things that can we can throw in the mix but almost every child in that class is going to feel anxious at some point, is going to feel overwhelmed with school at some point and they need to be engaged as much as possible. And what we need to do is to think about whether your environment is bombarding the children in the same way that the curriculum is and the rest of their life is. Do you have really bright colours everywhere? Because I know most schools have an orange backboard with a green border and a blue back in because that's the only paper left in the storeroom and every single board is different. Or maybe they've got stuff hanging down, and actually, what we find is that's really overstimulating. And for a child who's already feeling a little bit anxious, especially after this like, like lockdown that we're coming out of now, you want the children to look at those boards and be able to access any information on them, but you also want the room to feel calm. So it's really about calming down that brain. So we're turning off survival brain that I talked about initially, and taking them back into their thinking brain. You have to be calm in order to do that. So if your environment is calm, then you don't really have to do anything because you've already kind of communicating to the children through the environment around them. So strip off your backboards, have matching boards. That's one simple, easy thing that you can do. Make sure they all match and think about the colours that you're using. Right? Try and use colours that complement. That's the simplest thing you can do and it makes all the difference.
1: And I just want to say, I'm talking to Can't sh- to, to Shah- <laughs> <laughs> use my... Um teeth right okay and i just want to say i'm talking to shahana now and i'm looking at her lovely room and it looks very calm behind her it's beautifully decorated it's it's very cream and silver <laughs>
0: but this is the thing and it's funny you say that right so this is wallpaper I often tell teachers don't back your backing boards in backing paper get wallpaper and put wallpaper on your backboards and suddenly the room feels homely and safe and secure mm. and a lot of kids don't have that experience at home you know their living rooms aren't or their homes aren't a place that are secure and cozy so let's bring that into the room I could talk about environments all day long I love environments so yeah I'll stop there and then the third and final one um I don't want to go on too long is that let's try and stop rejecting children for having difficult feelings. I think we're so stuck in this pattern where we send them out or we give them time out or we ask them to write down what's happened or you know they get told that they've got to go to the head teacher's room or whatever our our sort of strategies are that's all about rejection. And what children need is connection. We have to start teaching children that we're there to guide them through what's hard for them and not punish them for having difficult feelings because that's part of being human. We don't want the kids to swallow down their feelings because they think they're going to get told off for them. Because then we're just creating a culture where people hide what's really going on for them. And because otherwise they'll be rejected, otherwise people won't love me, otherwise people won't want to be with me. Instead, we need to make them feel connected to us and guide and teach them. So think about how you're dealing with behavior. You know, can you create a calm zone instead? Can we start to help children to regulate and self-regulate by doing small things in the morning like coloring or calm music? And how can you build that into your behavior management strategies without just sending them away when they when they struggle because that's the worst thing that we can do especially when they've been through trauma
1: thank you okay right then where can we find out more about you and what you're doing
0: um okay so i am on linkedin so you can find me just search shahana Nay. i use linkedin quite a lot um our website is www.tpctherapy.co.uk um, and then I also have a podcast on that website as well. So that's a really good, great place to find me. And if you want to read more or learn more about therapeutic teaching, I also write for Head Teachers Update, which is um, a head teacher's magazine. So you can find me there too.
1: So if people were to listen to the podcast, what would they learn?
0: all about therapeutic teaching so we've got a episode on classrooms we've got an episode on attachment disorder and what is therapeutic teaching so really it's just giving you half an hour snapshots of what it is to be a therapeutic teacher where it's completely free and it's just starting to change mindsets and it's quite empowering and and inspirational I hear from people I'm not just blowing my own trumpet
1: I'm um I'm gonna listen because (laughs) I think um you know obviously I'm not in the classroom now but as a parent as well
0: yeah yeah really helpful yeah absolutely lots of people say that they use the strategies for their kids too
1: super well thank you so much I feel like you've given just a complete ton of value
0: good I'm so glad it's been lovely to be on the podcast thank you so much for having me
1: I want you to give Shahana's podcast a listen this week what a great way to gain some extra knowledge to improve your practice in a specific area If you want to give any feedback about how you're implementing therapeutic teaching in your classroom, then just start up a conversation in the Teachers Podcast community on Facebook so that others can get involved, or you could join us on Clubhouse. See you next week. Thank you for listening. The Teachers
0: Podcast is in association with Classroom Secrets, a provider of high-quality and affordable teaching resources that children love and teachers trust. To find out more, visit classroomsecrets.co.uk.